Hi guys, it's Kieran. You're listening to the Not Wonder Woman podcast. This is episode 10, How to Negotiate a Job Offer. Welcome to the Not Wonder Woman podcast. No capes, no superpowers, just hustle. Not Wonder Woman removes the myth of the ladies who, quote, have it all and gives practical insight to help you, the working woman, conquer the world like the boss babes we know you are. Welcome back to the Not Wonder Woman podcast. It is Mel and Kieran. We are back and it is Friday and today we're talking all things negotiation after you get the job offer. So we are super excited to bring that to you. Um, Some of our wins and some of our failures and we hope everybody enjoys. Kieran, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Mel? I am great. I can't wait to talk about my failures. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the, I think this is a really important topic because everything I've learn, read suggests learn. that women don't negotiate. Have you read that? Women don't negotiate. They don't ask. They just, you know, I, I've read. I don't know if that's true, but um, I have certainly negotiated. It's been true for me. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you got better at yeah. it over time? It's been I think so, but it, but I have been that person that is just either grateful to get out of where I am mm-hmm. or, um, or just accepting that that's the value that I offer and mm-hmm. not appreciating that, that, that a negotiation is, is normal. Mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah. I, I think I didn't expect that it's a normal thing. What about you? Um, I have certainly, I, I don't know. I feel like I've negotiated, been negotiating, um, for, for quite a while there have been a couple of instances in between negotiating and where I am now where I haven't necessarily negotiated and I've just taken whatever was on offer and that's again because I wanted to get out of somewhere that I was so uh, yeah but that I think that's only happened once since I started negotiating and I do remember my, the first occasion that I negotiated quite hard because I was, I was adamant. I had the number in my head. I had a number of other things that I wanted. And this, the person that I was negotiating with, who wasn't the, the, um, the company that I was going to work with, this is a viral recruiter, was trying to push me. They, they didn't want me to take that, you know, the, yeah. the higher salary. So I do remember, I, I have negotiated quite, quite a bit, I think. I don't Good for you. Int- I don't know if that was intentional. I just think it was like, I didn't, I don't, I was, certainly wouldn't call it negotiating. I think I just, yeah. just did it. I don't know. don't know. Yeah. You know, I just think part of it is, is understanding what you're worth, you yeah. know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and being confident in that mm-hmm. and, and you should be right. But it mm-hmm. took me a long time to, I guess, personally get there, but, mm-hmm. um, but you, but you should do that. And I think also, you know, we're talking about this in the context of our dream job series and mm-hmm. nothing is going to be a dream job if you feel like you're underpaid. Oh, uh, definitely not. No. For the yeah, mm. so 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 to me, this is one of the key like critical factors to get yeah. right because yeah. if you really want this to be the job you're going to stick with for a long time or mm-hmm. feel like you're valued and and feel like they appreciate you, you're going to have to be at a, a level that is is where you value your worth. Yes, and um, and that's hard sometimes for for women to accept or to think about or you know whatever. But but uh, you know, so, so just as we think about it. If you were to get an offer from a company or what has been your practice, if you got an offer mm-hmm. uh, from them, what's step one after that? 
let's let's talk let's talk folks through the process so i've been given so i've i've been offered the job and then i've been offered the the remuneration package or or just the job ah let's think about that maybe just the job maybe just the job um so firstly yeah i'm i'm probably very happy celebrating and then so this is this is my experience it's a call that says hi kiran um how are you just wanted to touch base with you following you know interviewing however many weeks ago and we finished our round of interviews and um we really liked your interview and you actually don't know what's coming after that bit do you we really (laughs) really liked your interview we thought you were very good like and they maybe give you some feedback and then they say it's either a but or an ad (laughs) exactly exactly and you're like oh my god get to the point and then they say and we'd love to offer you the job we'd love you to come and work with us and you're like "Ah." and actually you just want to go yay but you're just like oh brilliant thank you and you just do this quite reserved like you know thanking and um you want to sound happy glad but you you want to keep it quite you know toned down um so i do all of that and then my experience is that they say that they will email the offer um i have had people say look and salary wise this is what we want to offer you and it's x um and when they've done that over the phone there's often a, a conversation that is this is what we want to offer you um and we don't have room to maneuver or this is what we want to offer you and we want to know what you think about that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um my response to, to any offer whether it's on the phone or via email is to say right thank you um like either looking forward to getting the offer or thanks for that um I, i'm gonna have a think about it or um I'd like to accept, depending on what information they've given you. I just don't know. Actually, have I said I want to accept? I think I've always said, I'll come back to you. Right. I'll come back to you. Yeah. Because I don't know what the contract says. I don't know exactly what the offer is. Um, and if I've got to review all of these things, then I need to go and review those things. Yeah. And make a decision. I think that's, what about you? To- that's totally it for me too. And I... I will say, you know, to me, I, I do try to prepare. So I, if I can't, if I can't think of the questions I should ask right then, like mm-hmm. to ask, get more details, like if they just tell you a dollar amount, but they don't tell you the vacation days or they don't tell you about the flex time policy. Yeah. I do, no matter what they send me, mm-hmm. you know, I try to make sure that in the email response I, and I'm with you, I do not accept immediately now, although I did do that once and that was much to my detriment. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> To, to, um, but, but I will say, you know, I do try to get into the nitty gritty of some of the other things that are valuable to me, even if they're not part of their policy, whether that's a flex time or something Mm -hmm. like that, you know, like I need, you know, one day a week where I can go home at two o'clock and not feel like that's a, a big deal or something just to deal with. I don't know, dry cleaning and doctor's offices and things like that. Yeah. So that's a value proposition, you know, thinking about what those are beforehand Mm -hmm. so that you can ask those questions whenever you do get an offer, because that's going to be the way I think you craft the job that you want. And and while they may have a job description, you should also, you know, you you should have that job description. And, And so, you know, I, I have though failed sometimes as far as saying yes, uh, yes, immediately. And that was like my worst decision Mm -hmm. ever, Mm -hmm. um, whoever, but I do love to bounce my ideas off my husband, my friends, things like that immediately after an offer, because I feel like 
talking it out mm-hmm. gives you perspective on other like things other companies do or other companies offer that they may or may not be including in what they're giving you. And so that just giving perspective on that, I think, mm-hmm. I think helps me to think about it and negotiate. Um, you know, when you think about preparing for the job and waiting for the offer and getting it back, what are you doing? What tangible steps are you doing so that you can be confident in your work? And so what I mean by that is, are you looking at market data? Do you know what other people are paid in the industry? Do you know what you need? Like, how do you think about that stuff? Um, Yeah, yeah, so I am definitely, probably before the offer, I've looked at the market. I've looked at the kind of company that they are, what what the the job description, um, where my skills lie, what value I think I'm bringing to the table. And I've, I've, I've got, I've got a number in my head. I've got a number before I even sent my CV usually. Um, and, um, I don't, I don't know whether or not the offer should be the first time you're hearing anything about the salary or the brackets. Mm. I think, I think there should be some kind of indication ideally. Um, and I know from my own personal hiring experience that sometimes we ask the question, um, what are your salary expectations? So you have an idea of what that person is expecting and you can, if they're way off, you can you can tell them right then and there. You know, you don't have to take them through the whole recruitment process to then let them down with unrealistic salary expectations. So I, I would like to think that I've got a number and... Uh, at that point where the offer's being made, we're not necessarily worlds apart. Um, I have probably, I've definitely done the same thing as you and accepted straight away. Um, And it's almost, I think that was when I was much, much more junior in my career and didn't know that there was, there were other things besides salary to negotiate. Um, Right. (laughs) You know, if you were happy with the salary, then that was pretty much it. But I've been having these conversations with friends now, like other friends that have children and to whom the salary is not the only thing. Um, And it's very important even just to be able to juggle life that you be able to work flexibly. And that isn't specific or related to children that have uh, sorry, uh, uh, parents or adults, sorry, that have children. It's not solely related to them. Everybody has life to juggle and sitting in an office nine till five thirty, nine till six. How often, what, what are your typical hours? Are they, they're not, they're definitely oh, not till okay, five, are know, they? <laughs> you, know, you know that I get to work. I don't do things early. Like so right, I'm not okay. an early bird. So I, I typically roll in at like, and this is old, this is old law firm hours. Fine. And it worked well for me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should have never left a law firm. I don't mean that, but, um, <laughs> but it was like 10 to seven for me. Right, that was kind right. of my, like I was 10, 10 30. I would work out in the morning. I would, that was part I've of got a life, friend right? who works those hours I have a friend he's in a law yeah. firm and he works those hours and it works for him yeah. he said he misses the morning rush he strolls in yeah. at, at 10 30 he does yeah. his day job and then he goes and, and it's nice and peaceful so I feel like there is something to be said perhaps for doing a later day certainly yeah. um but yeah I think that um but but you do want to make sure that's okay with them right that's oh, part 100%. of my negotiation yeah. yeah so 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 I will tell you like if my corporate hours and, you know, companies are different, all companies are different depending on kind of their needs. But there are some that, you know, my, 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 when I worked at a big oil company, mm-hmm. they started at six or seven in the morning and that yeah. was typical for them because right. the they had big shift changes globally 
on 12 hour days operationally. And it was six to six and then six at night to six in the morning for people. And so I had to negotiate that I would be available, that I would be that so that early on, because let me tell you, there's no good work. There is Mm. no good work coming out of my brain at 6am. Like that is not, (laughs) nobody wants to pay me for that work. So so chop that part of Marty's day off. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, well, they want to chop it off because yeah. it's just not going to be useful to them. So, so you know, th- but that part is like, is, is something totally to consider when you, when you've looked at the company and when you are negotiating with them that, you know, kind of what are the working hours you really want from you? It's a great point because you're right. Life happens and, and you happen and, mm-hmm. and, the, and you want to give them your best hours or very good hours. And, um, you know, when is that for you? And that's, it's an important question to answer. And mine is starts about 10 a.m. Well, I think just having that awareness um, is either, is a good point to go back with um, an employer. But, you know, some people do think that it's just salary that's to negotiate. And I just want to say that it's not. Um, you need right. to make sure. You, one thing I will say is it's very expensive, both time and money wise, for the person that recruited you or for the company that recruited you to recruit you. So they do not want to do this again very soon. Because it, it, they don't. So the fact that they have found you, they would like to keep you unless something happens in the business that means it has to change. But they would like to keep you for as long as possible, for as long as you're doing a good job. So if you can present to them, this is what makes me do my best work. This is what makes me a really good uh, employee. And it's setting up my day like this, making sure I've got a day that I work from home, even if it's half a day, as you said, or a whole day, I will do all of my appointments on those days. So I won't be taking any time out of work. Like the, it just shows that to me, it may be, and, and as an employer, sometimes it's a, it's a logistical bit of an issue because I may need to get approval from someone else to allow you to do those things. But if you can justify why you're, why you're negotiating those things, it makes it 10 times easier for me to go back and, and either get approval or to say yes, because I think, right, I want this person. She's, she's clearly very good. And in order for me to get the best from her, what does she need? Because it's a two-way thing. Like I'm not yeah. going to go and sit in an office and trade my life solely for for money I can't I, I can't do it so no. I, it needs to be for everything it needs to fit into my life and I just do you think that there's been a bit of a shift in how people are doing that nowadays compared to however long ago oh certainly you know I think about it and you 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 know that most people or at least in the United States they had joined a company you know when they were 22 right out of college and they stayed for 40 years that mm-hmm. used to happen all the time mm-hmm. And I think companies might have been more loyal to people than companies are now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, com- business is business and, and you are in, in your own mind a business yeah. and, and so are they. Yeah. And so to the extent that, you know, if tough times come or bad things happen, you're you're going to get get let go yeah. or, you know, and, and vice versa. If tough times come. You're not going to necessarily be loyal to them the same way I think you were maybe 40 years ago, 50 years ago. At least that's what I perceived to be out there. I just remember when I was a baby lawyer interviewing people and um, they'd been with companies 30, 40 years. And I thought that was amazing. And I had never even thought about that horizon with one company in my mind. Like that just seems so foreign. Mm -hmm. It seems, and as somebody who had like moved around every two years for the last 
you know, 12 years prior to me kind of getting into law firm work and things like that. I just found that amazing because I'd just been on the move. And so I think the short answer is people move a lot more readily now. People people are just on the go. And, and that's because we're more mobile. We're mm-hmm. more agile. We can do this now. Mm-hmm. And, and what a blessing and yeah. that is. And so, yeah, I, I do think it has changed the whole negotiating tack. Um, you know, that is out there for us. So that's, that's been fun to see that. But I think it's also important to remember, like you just said, it is not just the salary. There's so much more that makes a place work or not work for you. Mm-hmm. And and that's what you have to negotiate. Um, and that's individualized, but, but think about what those things are that are important, I think. Yeah. For you. And, and, you know, the, the one other point I was just going to say is on the value proposition, mm-hmm. you know, I do try to make sure I do my market research mm-hmm. before I make any responses back. So, if most of the companies in an industry are flex time or every other Friday off or, um, you know, or they have a salary range, a median salary range in a certain level, mm-hmm. I like to know that because that gives them feedback, real tangible feedback that this is market conditions mm-hmm. and they need to adjust to that if they're off in the right, opportunity. Right. Okay. Um, I like that. So I, I think that's an important thing that you need to spend time on and recruiters typically help with that. I mean, they yes. will, they, you yes. know, they, they will know that, but there are some industry rags that are out there, ways you can find out, you know, me and lawyer salaries in downtown mm-hmm. um, London, yeah. you know, for, for big types of, you know, um, law firms or big types of energy companies or whatever it is, mm-hmm. telecommunication, you know, you can kind of, you can find it by industry yeah. and that's important because then that at least gives you a scale. Um, to work on, even if you know your number individually, it's helpful if you can back it up with not just the idea of the number you want, but market data, because that will drive true. Yeah. That, Mm -hmm. that, that will drive change. And then, I mean, they can't ignore that. No, I agree. I agree with you. Um, have you as a hiring manager ever been in a job offer negotiation with somebody that just wants to negotiate for negotiation's sake? You know, they're just, uh, they're just, I don't know, maybe they took a negotiation class and they just want to use those skills. Um, it, has it ever been difficult? Or You know, you... Ah, it's, it's a good, that is a great point. I will say this. Hopefully I don't let people that just like to negotiate for negotiation's sake get much further in the interview process. Than <laughs> you can, hopefully we smelled them out early. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, because that, you you need somebody who wants to see the big picture Mm -hmm. of how it can work for the business and for them. Mm -hmm. And so if that is not the motivation, if it's just for negotiation, then that lets me know early on, this isn't about the business and it isn't about helping the business. It's about you Mm -hmm. or it's about your desire or you're just kind of an honorary person. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. I I, I totally agree. And I I don't, I don't know if you listen to um, Tim Ferriss's podcast, but he recently had Richard, not recently, I think certainly this year, had Richard Branson on his show. And Richard, Richard Branson said that a negotiation is about both parties leaving the table happy with the deal it's not about getting one over on the other party so I think both employers and employee prospective employees should have that in mind that actually yes I know that you know as an individual you might want to travel around and you might want to see the world um, but if you're if you have interviewed for a job and you want that job you need to make sure that whatever it is that you're asking for also suits the business and that that person the employer may actually have their hands tied. They may not be able to give you everything. So, you know, just being 
just being aware that just because you've asked for it and the answer may be no, it may not just it, it may not be just because they're trying to be difficult. They may, they just may not be able to give give you the thing that you're asking for. Um, I've I've recently had a friend who was doing exactly the same thing. She was she was negotiating. She she accepted the offer in principle and then negotiated afterwards. And I think you know it, it was it was met. It was it was quite an easy conversation. She didn't get everything she was asking for. She wanted to change the working day by half an hour. And the employer said, we can't do that because we're following this kind of, you know, working pattern. And we need to make sure that everybody, especially you, are here at that time. But what we can do is, you know, look at this in six months time and see if there are other days we could be flexible with. So it's just the compromise. I think just being aware that there that there is a compromise um, and that you won't necessarily get everything. And I would only choose the things that, our material don't haggle over everything. Right. It, yeah. Well, that just, that is not, I don't think setting you up to be there um, long-term and that's the point. Yes. That's what you want to be there for is long-term. And so setting the expectations of things that are important to you is mm-hmm. just key. But, but, you know, look, if, if there, if you want to be a part of that company, um, you may have to make some sacrifices. Work is hard. And we've said that before work mm-hmm. is kind of, I mean, it is a sacrifice. It is time and energy and money and, and something else. I will also say, depending on the level you're going in at, mm-hmm. there is more flexibility based on kind of who the hiring manager is. Some yes. hiring managers will get the edict mm-hmm. from on high that says, this is the rule and there is nothing else you can do. Yes. And so sometimes the person you're negotiating with literally has no room and that's mm-hmm. not, because it's a bad company. It's just maybe company protocol, things like that. I don't know. I mean, it just, it, it is quite hard mm-hmm. um, to, to, to know that. And, and unless you're on the inside of a company, but I do think it is important for people to know some of those things are not about them. It is just about either company needs or hands being tied. And that's, don't, don't take that as a reflection on you necessarily, but you know, it's just a, it's a way of life that is there. I, you know, I, as I think through what, um, what you are thinking about with the other side, how, how do you, um, how, how do you, are you doing emails back to them? Are you calling them back? What, what is the way that you're typically responding to, to do these negotiations with the manner? Do you know what? I, as much, I think if I was doing this again now, I'd, I'd probably think that I'd be doing it via email. But when I think back to occasions when I have negotiated, it's been on the phone. I've been having these conversations on the phone and I find them somewhat easier because you can you can read somebody a bit better than you can on email. Um, You can hear the tone of voice. You can hear, you know, you can put your point across without sounding um, without sounding maybe too aggressive or, you know, you can you can. You can say, you know, if you, especially if you're talking about salary, salary, you could say, I was actually really looking for a bracket of X and Y, or I was, I was looking for something at the top end of that bracket, and my number is, yeah. X. So I think, and and you can you can put the tone and inflection and make it sound, you know, you can you can keep that likability. You want that person, whoever you're negotiating with, even if it's HR, you want them to still like you when you come in the business. So I think for me on the phone has always worked because um, I just I just found that it's it's more of a 
personal interaction and then you can you can give some justifications you can give some reasons and and that person you're trying to convince the person I suppose unless they've got these like you know really sort of strict boundaries that they're working within you could you're trying to convince that person as to why you will be a better employee if you're given the things that you're trying to negotiate um so I think just bearing that in mind uh it's not a battle you're you're you you want to go and work for this company and they want you that's why they gave you the offer so you're just trying to meet in the middle um right and that's yes i got okay you brought up such a good point that i think i failed to talk about before when you initially are going into a company and i just think this is important because you mentioned right now you were talking about maybe the bracket when mm-hmm. you're in this negotiation that was important to you mm-hmm. sometimes in the us there's questions and i don't know if this is true there before you even interview Mm -hmm. that ask, what is your current salary and what is your desired salary? And Mm -hmm. I have no, and I always hedge on that. And I don't know if we've talked about that. I'm not answering that question. We haven't, we have not talked about this, but don't ask me my current salary because that's, it doesn't matter. It It has no bearing on this role because you haven't actually asked in order to make that question relevant. You need to say to me, what do you, what is your current role? What is your current, you know, you need to get a full breakdown of what I'm doing at my current place of work. And what was it? It's too much. That number on its own doesn't mean anything. My current salary now, when you're going for another job, doesn't mean anything. You would need to add in the reasons why I took that job in the first place. What was going on in my, there are a hundred other things that you need to add to that number in order to understand the jump. Presumably it's going up between my current salary and my desired salary. And actually even this, even the words desired salary, it's not my desired salary. That's the salary I'm going to leave my current job for when I get it. (laughs) When I, when I eventually Uh, get it. But but I think think your point is well taken though, is is that you shouldn't be talking about these kind of numbers until the negotiation phase. So so. whatever has happened, I think Mm -hmm. in the previous ones or whatever you want to put on there, first of all, they can never know your exact salary. So in, in the salary, if they force that as an answer in a form filling out, put in what I say, put in whatever number you need to put in yes. as, as your top dollar on what you're yes. getting paid now, because, yes. because they can't confirm that. No, like, they can't. Res- and so- actually you would, you would, would you, I mean, I've, I've had friends be very nervous about putting the number in there because th- there's quite a considerable jump in their mind between what they're right. currently on and what they want next. Right. But presumably pe- people rarely make a sideways step. Unless, right. you know, you're, you're coming back into the market. Maybe, maybe there are a number of reasons why you would make a sideways step location, lots of things. But if you're moving, you're going to be taking the step up, in my opinion. So, yes, you're going to have a salary increase. You're going to get more work, more responsibility, all of those things that justify the step up. And I don't know if I like that question. I, would, I, would, I hate it. I would question I it, why somebody's so, asking me that. It's on so many forms. Though. Yeah. So anyway, I, I failed no, to it is. say that, but I think mm. I think it's important to wait until this stage, like right now, before mm-hmm. you give that answer. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're you're negotiating against yourself. You may have put in a number that is twenty thousand pounds less than they were planning to offer. Pounds. You know? I love how you did yes, pounds. I got it. I got it. I did not come out naturally at all. Um, but you know, <laughs> but but it's true. Like you could be setting yourself up for them to already make you a low ball offer and mm-hmm. that's not good no you know? I mean that's, I get you know, it early on so actually I a- think we should do a podcast that's just about negotiating because ah, I think that would be I'd love to hear some of your tactics for negotiation and I'm sure yes. I've got I've got so much so many improvements to make but you know I think that would be really good um so in turn so 
Your suggestion is to not give any salary details until you know they want you. Is that is that what you mean? Uh, I'm saying when I give when I if I'm forced to give them on it on an interview kind of questionnaire early on, mm-hmm. I would um, I tend to go higher on my own internal salary and, and calculate some of the intangibles. So whether that is like a pension payment that I was getting as well as a salary as well as paid time off, I will inflate that value and put that in there because that is, to get to your point of, that is the number. If they're forcing me to answer that question, I'm going to take into account kind of every, the value of everything, my bonus, a lot of things. Of course. Because often they're just like, they're they're just asking you a one line and that's not right. If I am working with a recruiter, Mm -hmm. I certainly will tell them the value. And Mm -hmm. I, even with the recruiter though, I will give them a range and I will certainly have kind of the lowest part of my range and the higher part of my range. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he can help get me somewhere in the middle. Yes. Um, I will share with him and I will let him or her know you can or cannot share this information okay. But for them. But for the recruiter, I only want them looking for places for me that would fit my range. Yes. So, but, but up until a salary, when I'm in negotiation, if I am in interviews, I will say, I have to see the whole package. Mm-hmm. Like, I, ha- it, yeah. you know, these things are important to me and I'm going to need to see the whole the whole offer before. So I is that is that would you use those exact exact words? Because I think yes. that sometimes when I'm speaking to people I know and with, you know, because people do come and bounce their offers with me and say, I'm not too sure about this. I, I want this. How do I go about it? And it's very much getting the words together to, mm. you know, respond <laughs> with. So I think it'd be really useful if we can say this is what I would, this is how I would set this out. So if, if you're trying to reserve your position with regards to the salary, how would you say that to an employer? Sure. And, that, and that's asked often before the offer, clearly, right? Mm-hmm. That's often an interview question. So yep. you have to be ready before the negotiation. So my, my short answer to that, that I've given now the last few interviews I've done has been, I, I am interested in this company. I've really enjoyed uh, the interviews that I've had to date. I think it'll be important for me to look at the market data and it'll be important for me to look at the complete offer that you may be able to present to me before I make any determination on, on, you know, accepting or rejecting or understanding if this is the right fit for me long-term and for you long-term. And, and just that, I think kind of answer is a hedge. It's totally a hedge mm-hmm. and they know that. And, but you don't owe them any more than that. You don't have to feel like you have, you're not employed by them. So yep. you, you need to be able to feel sure that you are confident in all the parts of the offer that, that feel good to you because you, if this is your dream job, you have, you have to think about all these things. Yeah. There it is not just a number. It can't mm-hmm. just be a number. So I, I, I now have given myself the grace and, and now the confidence to say those things, to say, yeah. I've got to wait, I've got to look and, and you need to say, I think people are worth that much. They need to say the same thing to protect themselves and mm-hmm. to be able to think about it. Cause in an interview, I don't know. I'm nervous. I'm yes. just thinking we're, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, don't, don't feel like you always have to give the, 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 the answer that is a tangible one. I think you want time to think in, a, in an environment that is not a pressure cooker. No. <laughs> and I, I mentioned this in the minisode that the interview jitters are a real thing. You're not, it, everybody gets out of an interview and like sort of kicks themselves. Oh, I, I could have said that. And I could have said that. And I think if you, if you accept or give too much information about salary expectations or the whole package you know as it's as it's been presented you you will kick yourself 
when you have had a moment to think. And one thing in my mind that I would be thinking, if a candidate said to me what you just said, I would be really impressed with their confidence in saying that because I don't think it's something that everybody is saying. And I would, I would, I would be really intrigued by somebody who has the foresight and confidence to confidently say, you know, I'm going to need to take your offer as you present it to me and think about it. And I really, I really, really like that. I really like that. And isn't that, isn't that a person you want to work with? Anyway? Definitely. I want them on but my I, team. You want, you want the person mm. that says, thank you so much for that information. Mm-hmm. I'm going to think about it and I'm going to respond. I mean, you don't want somebody who's just always flying off the cuff and. You know, yeah, we can do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you want somebody yeah. who's measured and yeah, who takes a moment because if that person is making decisions for you and your team or your business or your company, you want the decisions to be measured and to well thought to be well thought through. So I think that's a and, good indication. Yeah, of and if I, if I was really confident, I would have said that at the end of the answer that. And you know, this is how I approach all my work. I try to make sure I think through thoroughly. Brilliant. If I, was I love that. Right? Yeah, this is you how know? I approach most things in everything in life. You know, I'm just this yes. really well together put put together Not person. My namaste (laughs) I think about it all (laughs) but it's not that's not true at all about myself so for any future employers that's not true I don't sometimes I think off the cuff but but it is you know if you felt really confident and that was the way you like you you could say that's the way I like to approach things is to think about it yeah that's the way I like to approach things that doesn't mean I'm doing it every day That's that's right that's right so have you ever rejected after the negotiation have you ever said thank you this job's not gonna work for me um, I have been offered the job and before I've even heard the, 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 the remuneration package, I already know I don't want it. So uh, okay. because either, uh, you know, you could, you could go into a, a, an interview and they tell you there's loads of travel. They tell you that, you know, you're working with really difficult like clients or in a m- market that's, you know, there are a number of things that could make that job not for you. And it could also be that you got an offer somewhere else that you want, because right. if you're job hunting, usually it's not just with one company. So yeah, I have said that um, I'm not going to accept um, and given the reasons why. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit awkward. <laughs> it was a bit awkward. But, you know, are, are there times, I, I have said this before, when I have really wanted to work with a company, that this is a, this is a, a saying I say a lot, that that it may not be about the number at the end of the day. It may be about the environment that I'm getting into. And yeah. so I think that is also something that is important to convey, mm-hmm. that this is an all a numbers game to me. It is a complete package. And I've said that often because sometimes companies say, I don't think we're in your salary range. And they may not understand what I'm going for exactly. as far as like early on. And so like maybe I'm looking to totally switch careers yeah. and, and this could be an opportunity. And I appreciate and I know the market rates lower for that. I know that the hours will be better for me personally for or location. Like you said, other things, there's value in that. Mm-hmm. And and they you know what you put a value proposition on. Nobody can really know. And 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 until you've gone through the whole interview process. But I've had companies that just said, we're not even going to give you an offer because we think we're below where you want to be. And I was I was sad by that because I oh, like the company. Yeah. And, you know, they just think, oh, we're not going to give you an offer because we just think you're not going to accept it. And I thought, oh, that's terrible. So for all the people watching, don't say that. I mean, you, no. you never know what your offer is or what your worth is. And also what too. the role means to that person. 
you know, it could be, again, if it's a career change or if it's coming back to work after, you know, a period of time out of the workplace or changing location or different skills, you know, it's not just about the salary. Um, So this this is a question about not just negotiating the salary, because obviously your salary is going to be in the contract. Would you, the things that you've negotiated that are ancillary to the contract, but still really, uh, sorry, ancillary to the salary, but still really important to you, like the flexi time, will you put that in your salary, in your contract? So in, in the U S it is a little different. I feel like than than you guys, mm-hmm. um, because we we're most States and most jobs are at will and meaning you can oh. fire and hire at any we discuss time. This. Yeah. And so, and so in the U S I think that is a little different. All that being said, there is an offer letter and an acceptance letter. It is not for any term at all. It I is just that, that if, if, <laughs> It is typically, this is typically, it is typically if you show up to work and you work, this is what you will get. Right. Um, And it will be, you know, the the main factors that have been in there would have been the hours of operation. And and by that, they mean, they mean we're typically open, you know, from 9am to 5pm and we expect people within a range that range may change for me. Cause as I said, I'm not an early bird, but, mm-hmm. but you know, it'll be the time off. It'll be your paid time off. It will be, um, your m- medical insurance, all the things associated with that and your salary. So those are typically the big and bonus opportunities the, mm-hmm. those are be the t- typical big categories for that, but no term, no time. And th- those will be included. And I do think if there's something else though, if it's big, you want to get it in writing in Definitely. some way because yeah. you can't just do it on a handshake no. and, and hope it works. Cause don't do anything know. on a handshake. Yeah. Don't do <laughs> yeah. anything on a handshake. So if that, if you negotiated working from home on a Friday, get that in your contract because yeah. your manager may not be your manager forever or they may change processes or they may. So if you can get it in the contract get it in there and it's just a simple you know can we make sure that the contract is updated to reflect you know what we've agreed done mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be i'm going to send this to my lawyer i'm going to get my lawyer to look over it it doesn't need to be that it could just be can can put it put it back on them can you update the contract with what we've agreed done but it needs to be in there somehow because uh otherwise who, who knows what you agreed right Right. And, and they may not have gotten, I mean, some people may just want you really badly and they may have said, they may have been a yes man to you. Oh. They may have shaken your hand. And I've gotten the things before where they're like, you're coming in at a manager level, but we know you have director level skills. We'll get you, we'll move you up as fast as we can. And then the company kind of goes into and or the company just kind of doesn't really do that. But they told me that and I believed them. Mm-hmm. And that was my fault. That was yeah. on me. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, I should have negotiated early on. I need to come in at this level because that is, you, I hear the words you're telling me, then put them in there. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's deal with that. You know, let's be, let's be proactive about that because I was, I've been burned on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They kind of kept me at a level that was below where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. And I, it, and that was a short lived tenure at that company because yes. I, I felt like I didn't do the right negotiations. I moved on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just. It was not a good situation yeah. for me. I think <laughs> I have stunted my own negotiation by, I mean, I just really wanted to work for this company. And they said, you know, really want you, what's your salary expectation? Like, where, where are we salary-wise? And I had just said I'd be looking for at least X. Yes. <laughs> like, I just said at least. And realistically, it was a bracket. And I should have yeah. m- said a bracket so that they could 
be, you know, within that bracket. Don't get me wrong, they didn't give me X, they gave me a just a tiny bit more than X because yeah. that's what I asked for effectively. That's that is right. what I asked for. And I thought, uh, I, and then I didn't want to negotiate because you asked me, they asked me the question. So if yeah. I answered and then you've gave, given me an offer that meets that, you know, that expectation, I, going in to negotiate again, I just looked silly. So I just, I just took it. And I didn't That's negotiate right. you, anything yeah. else. I didn't negotiate anything. There was just a question about Sally, salary expectations. I gave my silly answer and, you know. Yeah, but, but. don't. That, that, that is the answer of <laughs> I have to look at the complete package. And now I'm really the same thing. But, but your answer has to be that. I, mm-hmm. I have to look at the complete package. Mm-hmm. It cannot just be a number in a vacuum. That's... Mm-hmm. That's not enough. And this That's is the enough. reason why employers offer packages because they accept that it's not just the salary that gets you to the office every day. It's, you know, it's the perk box. It's the holiday. It's the, you know, the sick pay. It's all of those things they know influences your decision to come and, make, and, and work for them because, you know, it's all well, important it to us. It could be also a, a cult of personality. And I mean this in a good way. I had a girlfriend who's pretty high up as a lawyer and she interviewed with somebody and it was going to be a step down for her as far as title goes. But in her mind, she said, I just really want to work for this woman. I liked her so much. I think she's, she's got such a good reputation. So, so part of it is also what, you know, that, that side of it, it could be that, that, that there's a desire to get into you know, to learn from a person or find a great mentor, you know, so there is just a lot of value in that. Yeah. 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 I can really appreciate that. That you just may say the the range changes because the whole value proposition is different. Mm -hmm. It's not maybe just a job. It's a place I feel like I can learn, grow, get a skill set I don't have, whatever that is. And I and I think that's important to let a company know that when you are talking about these numbers. Like I find the value of this company in X and Y, -hmm. and and that's why I do need this amount of money. But this is also a value to me, and I and understand that I understand the value you as a company are giving to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and because you understand that value, I think they may, they may respect you, um, a little more in the negotiation process. It may be an, an option for you to, to kind of show why you think this company's right and why you're a good fit. And then therefore justify the salary you need, the time off you need, all those things. So it's, it is a challenge though. Mm. It is a challenge. challenge. And sometimes it's, you know, I've certainly been on the phone doing the, these negotiations for myself, not for clients. And I have said things and I, I sort of pull this face like, ah, <laughs> you know, and you're like, ah, and you just, you're just trying to be silent. Like one piece of advice I will give you when you're negotiating on the phone, obviously you can't do this face to face you can do it after email is to make your offer or to say what your expectation is and then be quiet. Do not justify, do not start saying because, but you know, and over explain it. You confidently state what you're asking for and then zip. Mm-hmm. And then just give them mm-hmm. a mo- moment to think the, the silence is sometimes doesn't need filling. It's just, uh, you're confidently, confidently stating what you want and that's it. That's right. Yeah. Right. But that's, that is a long-term process to get to there. Oh, it really is. It really is. I mean, it helps that you and I negotiate for a living. Do, do you think? Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. And, th- and that I train, and that I train people for deposition. Oh, you know, so, so I train right. people to respond to questions. And, and that is one of the biggest pieces of advice that I've, I've, I give every time somebody does a deposition is answer the question asked and then stop. 
right and, and okay. love love the silence love the because, silence sometimes you've just got because yeah. you want to make them work for it i mm-hmm. mean you want to because when you start talking you are making presumptions mm-hmm. much like they may make like the like the company that made a presumption about not giving me an offer because they thought i wouldn't accept it well, they, they just, because the dollar amount wasn't there, they didn't talk to me about anything else. Yeah. About, yeah. They didn't figure out what the things were that I valued. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so they missed on that. Now, maybe they missed and they wanted to miss and they were telling me that just because they didn't want to hire me. <laughs> I very but, much doubt it. <laughs> but, 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 you know, but, but, the, but the point is, you know, you may allow them to talk afterwards. And I think that, you know, to me, love the silence and, and that's a hard place to get to. And, um, but man, we, I think we certainly want to hear if you've got negotiating questions or how to answer a question that you've been asked. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got an email question, ask us. That's what we're here for. We yeah. want to help respond and we'll help you think through the hard questions so that you can get the things you need. Definitely. Um, I really think that more women should do this and actually just use any opportunity you can to negotiate. Um, and I'm not saying being one of those people that doesn't leave anything on the table, negotiating for negotiation's sake, but it is a learned skill. So, you know, you do have to just sometimes ask for what you want and it's cringy and you're just dying sometimes, but you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great place to leave that off at. Right there. <laughs> It's time for the fast five. No planning, five questions, real answers. So are you ready for the fast five, Mel? Let's do it. I've got um, some really, I think, tough questions because they're from the Tim Ferriss show and they're the questions he asks all of his guests. And you no! know, he's got world-class performers on there and I always love listening to people's answers. So I will ask you these questions. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Question one, what is the book or books that you've given most as a gift and why? Uh, Of Mice and Men is my favorite book. Ooh, that's a good Um, one. Well, it's it's probably pretty sad, but uh, as as an overall overall book, one, it's short, so maybe that that works out for some people, Mm -hmm. and I cry every time I read it, and, um, but to me, it just, it reminds me of, what we're here for and it's not always ourself and so I think the message on that one of of the Lenny relationship and that if you've read the book is just an important one even though he shoots him at the end of the day yeah it's terrible but 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 it is um it just reminds me that we're here for other people and and I think that's just it it, it's a tragedy and some of life is hard but um it, it in that way it reminds me of that special relationship that they have and it's just always been a favorite book and so I give it away a lot and there's one of my favorite. I'm gonna give you one other one though. Is mm-hmm. a thousand places to go before you die. That's the other Ooh, one. I haven't yeah. heard of that. Uh, it's great. It's yeah. a travel book, and it's like the, it, it is like the top places. Just a thousand places to go before you die. Both of those things are really important to me. <laughs> so there's some, so <laughs> I like it, and I like the justification for both. I really like those. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, second question: What purchase of one hundred dollars or less? has most positively impacted your life in the last six months or in recent memory? You know, what have you bought? Okay. Um, Wow. Let me think about that. $100 or less. 
I would probably have to say um, I, I bought a devotional book and it's been a good devotional book for me. It's just been a place where I can meditate and learn. Mm-hmm. And um, and so for me, that's been a helpful one. Mm-hmm. And it's called Sparkling Gems. And, and I read it every morning. It's just it's a great book for me, um, helps me um, just understand my faith better. And so for me, it's been a very uh, a, a book where I've learned a lot. And then also and I feel like books are like podcasts, things you buy like that. Yes probably have more impact than the thing, right? Whatever. Yeah. The, yeah I don't know. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, the, probably the worst impact of a hundred dollars or less is like a box of donuts. You oh, know? tell me about it. <laughs> I just, so, I just went to Krispy Kreme today. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, when I'm thinking about that kind of question, I do think of like the books or the things I read or the, the yeah. will have a long-term impact. That will so where did you get it? Where did you get it from? Online. Online. I read on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably, and I think it was $35. See? <laughs> This just, you you don't need these big, you know, expensive things. No. $35. That's a great question though. It makes me think about how you spend $100. Yeah. How do you spend $100? Um, And thank you for converting to dollars. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How has failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? And, or, or do you have a favorite failure of yours? Oh, um, yeah. So I, I, I don't view that. I don't view life as a win or lose proposition. No. I try mm-hmm. to view it as a win or learn proposition. Mm-hmm. And so it, from my wins, you know, you, you love those, but you certainly from your failures learn so much more mm-hmm. and learn so much more about yourself and learn how to make yourself better. And so I, I think early on in my career, I was, less inclined to, I I thought I could work in a vacuum early in my career Mm -hmm. and I could just get it done and do the task. And I realized there is more to life and to work than just do shutting my door and doing the task. There is a relationship element that is important. Mm -hmm. It's important um, to be present with people, to plan meetings in person with people, not just do everything on the phone or on the email. And I from my own failures of lack of communication or bad communication on my part, because I thought I could do it in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. I, I have really learned that, that, that the time element of, of work matters. And so while I love things like flex time and working from home, I do think there's these in-person oh, yeah. opportunities that are just really key. Yes. And um, as much as I hate, I kind of hate that. Like I wish it wasn't the case, mm-hmm. but um, I wish I could just do everything in a vacuum and just handle it myself. And I feel like I could do that, but that's not how the world is. That's not how life works. You know, that's how families work. None of that mm-hmm. is the way it works. It's all done together. We're yeah. all here working together. And, and so just, I think my failures of poor communication or miscommunication over years and, and, and <clears throat> wanting to do things as a lone wolf yeah. has not served me well and in, in life. And so I, I've tried to change that. No, I can definitely appreciate that. I think that um, it's all too easy to just think that you mm-hmm. can do everything and delegation and you know, communication, it's just, it's just, a, it's, a, it's definitely a learned skill. It is. And there's no class for that in there's college. There's no class. There's no <laughs> class for these soft skills. <laughs> uh, the fourth question is, if you could get a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on, on it, getting a message out to millions of people, what would it say? Uh, have you listened to the Not Wonder Woman podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, I expect no less from you. I am a I am a whore for our little brand. You are, you really are. 
Oh my gosh. That's it. That's it. No, well well, done. And I have it on the side of my car. And if customs ever lets you get your gift out of customs, you will plant your sticker on the side side of of your car. Do you know what? I feel like the moment I do that, I will become an honorary American. You will. It's such, because it's such people a don't do American. stuff like that here. Like they know. really don't. And do you know what? I might even put it on the on the side of my husband's work van when he's not looking. That's, please, please do it. Please do it. When I he's just, not I looking. A picture of that. Yeah. Like by the Tower of London. <laughs> that would make all my dreams come true. Oh gosh, how brilliant! No, I really cannot wait. Um, yeah. So I, I really appreciate that that was your answer. I really appreciate that. Because someone's got to do the promotion. You've got it all yeah. in hand. I love Shameless that. promotion. I know, like shameless. <laughs> like we're talking about a billboard. And you're going right, not wonder on the That's podcast. Right. I love that. I love it. Uh, last question. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? And it could be investment of money, time, energy, Oh, sure. That's easy. My husband. Oh, yeah. No, it's, I mean, it has to be right. I mean, he, he, like I'm, he's my best friend. So I've loved that. And my friendships, I will say the other, the other best investment though. I mean, my friendships are it like friendships and husband hands down. Like, I feel like I've won that game. Like I have the best humans in my life and I'm so grateful for them. And so that part of life is really important to me. Um, and that investment, there's none, none greater. The second one though is, I think when I think about things like my education, mm-hmm. you know, the investment in yourself is oh, yeah. worth everything because, because you are your biggest commodity in life. Mm-hmm. So if we're thinking about this from a, you know, just a, uh, I don't know, a more business perspective, not a relational perspective. Mm-hmm. I think investing in yourself, lear- teaching yourself the skills you need to do, learning uh, all those things to me are the best investment I yeah. can make. No, I love that. And I do, I do really love that you said your husband. That's <laughs> Your answers have been on fire today. I'm just like, oh my gosh, just make sure that I Do you know what? I think the morning might be your best time now. (laughs) No, by the way, it is 10.05 my time. So I told you I rolled in around 10 a.m. for the last five minutes, you know, (laughs) The caffeine has kicked in. I love that. Was that my five? That was your five. That was your five. Okay. So I have some random ones for you today. Get ready. Thank you. It is. And it starts with a random question about a random stranger. What random stranger mm-hmm. has had the biggest impact on your life? Oh, um, random stranger. Do you know what? Because I can't think, I'm going to tell you about something that I read about somebody like else's it. random story. But it really, like, got me. Yeah. <laughs> so this, somebody that I follow on Twitter, another uh, blogger, said that she had um she was at the park with her children this this old gentleman came over and said do you mind if I just like watch the children play or my children are grown up and she said yeah fine and he was he just basically said that you know his children have grown up his wife has like in old age has become very quiet like they don't have much conversation and he said they grow up so quickly that you just have to like soak up every minute Mm. of them and I was reading it and I thought oh my gosh like you know it's just so easy to get wrapped up in your own stuff and what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve and then you you look and your child is off to senior school or you know and it it doesn't exactly happen like that but the, the the I feel like the milestones with children happen quite quickly 
Um, I mean, Poppy is off to reception in September and I, know. I don't know how that happened. I, I don't know because I remember bringing her home. I re- I've got vividly in my mind setting down the car seat on the carpet and thinking, and I feel like every parent has this thought, she's she's here and there, there are no medical professionals around. There's nobody, <laughs> there's no one here to like tell me what to do or like what, what how has this happened? How is there a, a baby just here? Like, What's going on? I remember that. And now I've got a child who is, I mean, yeah, she's full of energy, Amazing. that little one. But it's, I think it was that. And I don't have my own, like, um, stranger story, unfortunately. But I thought I'd share that one because that was, no, was at the forefront good. of my mind. And it was probably going to be any better than anything that I could remember because <laughs> strangers tend to ask me to take their photo. That's probably, that's about it. They're like, oh, can you help us with tourists in London? Can you take our photo? And because I'm a blogger, I am like that friend that you want taking all the photos. Like I'm taking different angles. I'm like, can you look there? So I take a great photo of strangers in the street. But in terms of something that has really impacted me, it was reading somebody else's stranger account online. I love that. And mm. random response to your photo taking. Yeah. Somehow every time when I'm in Europe, I must look like every European. I don't know. Because I always get you asked do. to take like, like as if I'm a local all the time. My yeah. husband's like, what about your face says, come talk to me. <laughs> and ask me to take your picture. <laughs> but also I do take 50 50 pictures that's as well. it so if you want a photo come and speak to us I will take yeah. a photo I still when I was in Positano I was in holiday on holiday just got back last week there was a couple and they were trying to take like a selfie and it wasn't working I said do you want me to take your photo I fully stood in the road I was like do <laughs> I, I was like this is good like this shot is good and they, they couldn't believe it they were like oh my god thank you like don't mention it's gonna it be, it's gonna be their Christmas card this yes. year <laughs> question two what achievement are you proud of but most people would consider silly or weird I have no feelings in my team <laughs> ah, that's awesome but no that is look I am so serious that I died when I had my first filling and because I was old I was like 32 when I had a filling and I was like, my mouth is tainted forever now. I'm just, None. <laughs> I'm just like, boom. <laughs> that is, that is dropped right there. I love that answer. That might be why we're friends, among many other reasons. Yes. But that is probably up there. Okay, so what? Okay, here's my other question three. What period in history had the best fashion, or do you wish you could just live and wear that kind of fashion all the time Tudor times Tudors I love everything about the Tudors it was just if you've seen any films where they recreate it I'm just like I know briefly about what was going on under all of those dresses and it it, Mm. it's painful it's effort and they probably smelled really bad because they didn't have great hygiene and products that we have today (laughs) but I just think they looked amazing everything down to like the wigs the hair the the that they developed their own kind of like routines for bed and stuff like that and just everything I love I love that Elizabethan kind of era yes love it and also I think and I I, my history is not amazing but Marie Antoinette is Mm. uh I mean I'd I'd just if I could go back in time it would be to either one of those individuals time I'd like to be in their respective courts just for I like it yeah yeah just for a little while I love Mm. that answer um, okay, so how quickly do you jump to conclusions about people? Oh, do you know what? I feel like I do it really quickly, but I'm really good at talking myself out of it. 
Yeah. So I'll make, I'll go, this person is da 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 and then I'll quickly go, actually, Kieran, <laughs> you, you, you jumped to <laughs> some conclusions there. And I'm talking about making, and usually it's because that person's provoked a reaction in me right. that I make these snap decisions about these people. Sometimes I do it with my husband and we're just being funny. Like, right. I'm like, yeah, that person is one of these people that does X, Y, and Z. Trust me. Trust me on that. And then he, but my husband's a lot more, in certain circumstances, he will look at me and just like go shake what? his head and like, really? <laughs> really? And on what basis have you made this decision? And, and then I go, actually, no, prob- probably not. And, you know, do the responsible bit of talking, you know talking myself out of it so I feel like I can if somebody has annoyed me I make an assumption really quickly and but I'm trying to be more responsible and talk myself out I understand yeah I get it (laughs) I'm with I'm totally with you on that I do try to be more responsible but I'm not that good at it okay last one on my fast five what is something that you think you'll regret in the future not starting now? Or what is something that you already regret not starting sooner? Something I regret not starting sooner and is not something I regret not starting sooner is for me. It's not even for me. It's for Poppy. I have not put her in lots and lots of extracurricular activities yet. Mm-hmm. And I've, the reason I only I, that was a conscious decision not to do that because I wanted her to be a bit fluid, not have a, such a strict schedule straight away. The only thing she really does is swimming and she loves it. And I just wanted her to sort of have this transition from nursery to reception swimming because I, there's no com- there's no compromise on swimming. It's not even an extracurricular activity. I think it's part of the, you know, phonics, maths swimming is in there right but the reason why I regret not starting it sooner is because I recently read a book that said um that extra extracurricular activities for children help them have the focus for their you know core studies because if they're having to practice dance if they're having to practice a language if they're having to practice a gymnastics move and have that focus it spills over to ah. everything else so I I started everything I, I did pretty much everything going <laughs> thanks mom <laughs> when I was yeah. about three years old so I was doing ballet when I was three I was doing French when I was three so to not have given her that because I didn't want her to have the rigid kind of and also it was it was kind of selfish I just didn't want to be like running around to a different class every day um, because obviously I worked I'm working as well so I was just thinking actually if she's done a long day in nursery how am I then going to cram in all this other stuff so that is the one thing I regret but she's only four so that is right well and also you you may have been teaching her to be a complete person with like relationships not yeah actually that's that's a really thank you for that because I have been like oh I've missed the boat no (laughs) give yourself some grace you may tell her that that always a hundred percent of a schedule isn't the value and the priority in life that we all need that's to have. So true. I feel like that's so true. That's so true. Yeah. We all just say, oh, I'm busy, busy, busy. That's my answer. And that seems like a good answer sometimes to people. And I, in my mind, I'm like, that's a really sick way of thinking about it. I know. Like, oh, I'm so you know? busy. I'm so important. Like, yeah, important. Yeah, you're not actually. <laughs> and then also neither am I. And let's just go hang out and have a glass of wine. That's it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could really do with so, a glass of wine. I think you're teaching poppy to be a good whole person so don't don't beat yourself up no thank you for that but yeah yeah, that that was that was my answer 
This episode is generously sponsored by Blonde Biscotti Coffee and Biscotti Bar in the heart of Houston, Texas. They are proud to serve third wave coffee and soft baked biscotti, blondebiscotti.com. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to click the subscribe button on iTunes so you never miss a show. And we want to hear from you, so please feel free to send us your questions and comments to notwonderwomanpodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, notwonderwoman.com.